Come on with it. Hey, y'all. This is Chigger Tiki. Welcome to the 10th episode of the podcast. Appreciate you being here. As I've mentioned in earlier episodes, after 25 years of serving as a Presbyterian minister, I came home from Africa feeling called to be a public school teacher. So I went to my local university, took some education courses, and got certified to teach. And the first job that came along was a position as an ESL teacher. ESL stands for English as a Second Language. My job would be to help immigrant children who spoke little or no English find their place in English-speaking American culture. There was a weird sort of poetic justice to my landing this job. You've heard the phrase, pay it forward, meaning when you receive an unmerited favor, the best way to return it is to do the same for another person. Well, the ESL teaching gig was a pay-it-forward opportunity for me. You see, I hate to admit this, but in 2001, when I first arrived in Africa, I had what you might call a sort of Mighty Mouse missionary attitude. Here I come to save the day. I thought I was meant to bring salvation to the dark continent. Within 24 hours of arriving, I discovered that it was me who was in the dark, not the African people. I mean, I was way in over my head. In a new place, a new culture, a new language, I was lost. And instead of me coming to save the day, I needed the African people to save me. And they did, patiently, compassionately. They ushered me into their culture. One of the things you learn when you move into a new culture is that the love and compassion from people native to that culture can be like silver and gold, precious. The African people were that to me. They opened my eyes and my heart to their world, and in time, I could look around, find my way around, and see the beauty of the place where they lived. So now, as a new teacher, I would have the opportunity to pay that blessing forward. I was responsible for about 40 6th, 7th, and 8th grade kids who'd recently come to the United States from places like Pakistan, Mexico, Korea, Palestine, Ecuador, China, Venezuela, Estonia. Yet the thought of me being their teacher, well, that daunted me. And it, primarily it was because I didn't know what I was doing. I myself spoke a foreign language, French. Unfortunately, that wasn't the language of any of my students. And they were my students because they spoke little or no English. I began to see them every day in small groups of about ten. We would sit around tables and try to figure out the homework that was given to them by their regular classroom teachers. They would show me their assignments and try to explain them to me and usually I could not understand what they were saying to me. And I remember being riveted by the panicky thought, my God, we are the blind leading the blind. Still, I had to try. I knew from my time in the Congo that accurately saying hard-to-pronounce names 
was a gesture of respect. So that's where I thought I would start. I tried with each of my students to speak their names correctly. I sat down with them and asked them how to say it. I had a sixth grade Korean boy whose name on my roll was spelled C-H-O-I. I asked him, is it Choi? Is it Choi? He responded, no, Choi. Or that's what it sounded like. So I said, Choi. And he said, no, Choi. And I said, Choi. And he said, no, Choi. And we, re- we repeated this dialogue a couple of times. Then he looked at me with sympathetic eyes and said, call me Charles. So I called him Charles. Another sixth grader was a little girl from Yemen who wore the Muslim hijab headscarf. With beautiful brown eyes, she would look at me in a mixture of fear and wonderment. When I spoke to her, I always finished with, Do you understand me? And she would answer in a squeak, Lady Beat, which meant a little bit. I was clearly in over my head. And for help, I began to draw on two memories, one from a long while back and another more recent. A long while back, in the 1970s, when I was in seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, I took a childhood education course taught by a Catholic sister who had taught children for a hundred years, or so it seemed, from the looks of her. She told us that there were three essential rules to teaching children. Number one, affirm them. Number two, affirm them. Number three, affirm them. She said it over and over, shortening it to affirm, affirm, affirm. And later that spring, when the Kentucky Derby was won by a horse named Affirmed, who went on to win the Triple Crown, we took it as a sign that Sister Catherine and the Lord were tight, and we'd better listen to her. What she meant was that the first order of business is to convince a child of his or her own value to affirm the child's personhood. Sister Catherine said this was eminently more important than any content or lessons in the curriculum because, and she was the first I ever heard say this, children don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So, more than 30 years after she had taught me that, I found this bolstering me as a new teacher. I couldn't do much, but I thought, this much I can do. I can affirm these kids. I can love these kids. So that's what I'll do. The second and more recent memory came from my time in the Congo. There in the place I lived was a large United Nations installation. The UN had let its employees build what amounted to an English tavern to serve expatriate people like me. It was run voluntarily by UN employees who came from all over the world. I would pop in from time to time for a beverage and a sandwich just to give myself a little taste of Western culture in the middle of Africa. One of the volunteer bartenders was a young Hungarian woman whose English was amazingly good. She seemed to know all of the slang expressions and the idioms. So one day I asked her, where did you learn English? She chuckled and said, "Uh, I learned from Warner Brothers, 20th Century Fox, RKO, Universal. I learned English from the movies. 
She told me that as a girl, she had spent every coin she had at a little cinema that showed all the great American films. She said she would sometimes spend the entire day there watching the same movie four or five times. In fact, movie lines would pop out of her mouth quite naturally once I overheard her boss asking her which of two time slots she wanted to work. And she said, a la Rhett Butler, Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. She loved Clint Eastwood, and she would often narrow her eyes and say, Go ahead, make my day. She had efficiently learned English from the movies. So, in my new gig as a teacher, I started encouraging my ESL students to go home and watch TV. Watch lots of TV. Most of them had cable television, so I steered them toward the Turner Classic Movies channel. Figuring nothing there could be too risque, I started scouring the cable program guide, keeping an eye open for movies like The Wizard of Oz, Mary Poppins, Willy Wonka, Stuart Little. I would write the times and dates of movies on the board, and then we'd talk about them the next day. The kids' English did get better and better. One day I was helping a seventh-grade boy from Pakistan do his math homework. I saw that he was consistently making the same error. So I said, let me show you how that's done. As he slid his workbook toward me, he said, knock yourself out, pal. And I thought, yes, it's working. Well, eventually, my teaching career would take me from those first two years as an ESL teacher to French teacher, and ultimately to where I am now, a good old regular English teacher. But I still retreat in my mind to those first two years of teaching and to those kids, my students from all corners of the earth, from different races, different religions. Somehow, we forged ourselves into a little surrogate family. I was the bumbling, stumbling surrogate daddy they were my stumbling, bumbling daughters and sons trying to gain a foothold in a culture totally foreign to them. I remember how they'd come dashing into my classroom, waving a paper on which they'd made a good grade in math or science. They were so excited to show surrogate daddy what they'd done that sometimes they'd forget and start speaking to me in their native tongues really rapidly, and I'd have to say, whoa, 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 English, please, English, and we would laugh together. Affirm, affirm, affirm. I'm convinced now that I received more affirmation from them, my little surrogate kids, than they could have possibly gotten from me. Their love was affirming me, helping me to feel increasingly like a legitimate teacher. And let me tell you, that was a big mountain for me to climb. A few years ago, I was out shopping on a Saturday when I heard a voice behind me call my name. I turned around to see a strikingly pretty young woman. In her early 20s, slender, olive skin, dark brown eyes, she smiled warmly and said, You don't remember me. She reintroduced herself. She was the little girl from Yemen who would look up at me in fear and wonderment and who, when I asked her if she understood, would say, Lady Beat. Now, a decade later, here she was, a young woman shopping in Target. As she spoke, I heard not a trace of foreign dialect. 
She told me she was in graduate school, earning a master's degree in public health. Her plans were to serve low-income, underclass communities. She was essentially paying it forward. She wanted to help those who were struggling to get a foothold in this culture. As she spoke to me in perfect English, I struggled mightily to hold back tears. Before we parted, she, th she said, Thank you for all you did for us. My voice cracking a little, I managed to say, Thank you for all you did for me. She looked a little quizzical and then said, Well, you're welcome. We chuckled. As I walked away, the tears did spill from my eyes. Tears of thanksgiving. I was thankful that I'd been led into the lives of those ESL students. Very thankful. And I was also thankful that they had had cable television. As always, thanks for listening. This was the 10th episode of the Trigger Ticky Podcast. So I especially appreciate all you who have listened to all 10. You are kind and patient souls. If you haven't caught all of the episodes, you can always go back and listen to those you missed. Like Diamonds, podcasts are forever. I'll put links in the show notes where you can find all the episodes. Hey, I'm going to take a brief break for a couple of weeks or so in order to get my teaching legs back under me for the upcoming academic year. But I will be back. I'll be back with some more crazy stories. So I beg you, please, please don't go away. Y'all be kind, be excellent to one another, and come on with it. Catch you next time.